0: Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, My name is Edison. I am from, I live in Mysore. I'm married to Lauren. I have two daughters. And um, I'm here to talk about church leadership. And um, I think it's important to talk about it because leadership can be abused, right, Uh, both by those who are in it and those who are under it. It can be abused both ways. And um, therefore, we must talk about it. Uh, currently, I serve as the main preaching pastor of the church that I planted um, some years ago. At that time, when we were planting the church, uh, when we were thinking about it, there were two of us uh, who were the leaders or uh, of the group that was eventually going to become uh, the church that we were planting, the people that we were working with, and um, we had to decide uh, who's going to be the pastor of this church and um, we had a lot of differences over that he felt hey let's just you know uh, both of us be co-leaders and let's work together and um, I was of the opinion that there can be only one leader and uh, we cannot work it's not a democracy so you know we we had a lot of argument over that and um, we can be on various different places on how we think about leadership But uh, we're here to talk about a healthy church. What kind of leadership does a healthy church have? Is it a congregation that strives to ensure that the gospel is faithfully preached? Yes, right? Uh, In Galatians, Paul does not rebuke the pastors or or deacons uh, for permitting false teaching to uh, enter the church, but he admonishes the congregation. Uh, Could we say that there's leadership that the deacons have who model service in the affairs of the church? Yes. In Act 6, without the leadership of deacons, the church would have been divided. Uh, We needed them to exercise a form of leadership in the church. Is the leadership, does the pastor who is faithful in preaching the word of God have the leadership? Yes. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 5, uh, the description of the task of Timothy is to lead the church. So uh, we can say that there is a, a different senses of leadership or different areas of leadership or different uh, uh, amounts of leadership. To each of these groups but the Bible also presents one more leadership gift to the churches to help them to become healthy and that is the position of the elder in a local church. Now there are many useful things we can say about church leadership from the Bible Um, yet my task today is to focus on the question of elders primarily and um, We could say that it is quite possible and I fear that many churches are neglecting this gift of God and have no idea what they're missing out and what um, uh, what's lacking and my hope for you if you're a pastor here uh, of a church and you do not have other elders to serve alongside you that uh, you would go back uh, at least thinking about, if not convinced about, to some extent at least that you might want to have a band of brothers with you who could serve alongside you as elders. Um, if you're a member in a church and you don't have that sort of a gift in the church, that probably you could you know, continue thinking about it, talk about it to your pastors, read books, uh, and keep thinking about it. But I hope that there's something you have, some food for thought as you go back. So let's begin then talking about elders, where the Bible begins talking about elders in the church. Acts chapter 6. You can turn with me to Acts 6, but you know the story, and I'm not going to really park there. Uh, We're going to go through various places in the Bible. Uh, There was um, bickering that happened within the church. Do you remember that? What was the issue? The issue was for distribution and um, there was some neglect of certain widows uh, and uh, what happened then was that the apostles convened a meeting of uh, the church, brought together uh, the various members of the church and th- what was the purpose of that meeting? Was it uh, uh, to now decide what the solution is? They said here's the solution. They already had a solution. They told them, let us select men who could oversee this distribution. The apostles chose to delegate that particular task so that they could give attention to what? Look at verse 4. They could give attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So... (laughs) if we have to be very simple and you know not complicate things and not think too much in very simple terms we can say that there was a division of labor between elders and deacons right that uh, eventually the rest of new testament develops this further and further And um, finally, we can have a more robust understanding of how these various offices, these two offices work, and um, how we get different types of leadership from them and what the work of the elder is. Elders are especially devoted to prayer and to the ministry of the word for the church, while deacons help sustain the church's physical operations, right? Two different... um, areas of service. So I at least hope that at this point you have some rough idea of what a gift the elders can be to your church, how elders can help you all in your church, how they can serve you all. What basically God is saying here is I'm going to take several men from among you, from out of you and set them aside to pray for you and to teach you about me. That's what God is saying. I mean, their job is to pray for you, to, to teach you about me. So that's what God is doing. He's, he's going to bring these people out from among you and set them aside for this task. Um, so let's talk further then. Let's, let's develop this idea further. All churches have individuals designated to perform the function of elders. Whether we use that title or not, to some extent, whether we're using it properly or not, this gifting to some extent is in operation. We may use other titles for them. We may call them a deacon incorrectly. all right? We may, we may call them a director. But uh, in the New Testament, there are three titles for this one office. And they are used interchangeably in the New Testament. And, and I'm going to show us that uh, from Acts chapter 20 to start with. The three words, while you turn to Acts chapter 20, are um, overseer or bishop, and in the original language the word is episkopos there. Uh, the other word, the second word is elder, uh, and the third word is shepherd or, or pastor. So the word for elder, presbyteros, and shepherd, poimen. And if I mispronounce them, forgive me, I don't know those languages. Uh, but. These are the three words, and we see that it's talking about the same person or the same group of people, all right, uh, the elders, and um, how how does it do that? If you look at Acts chapter 20 and verse 17, here's what the Bible says, the Word of God says, Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. Whom did he call? The elders. Now." And then he's addressing the elders and he's saying, he's giving them certain instructions. And if you come, to the, uh, uh, come down further to verse 28, and I want you to pay attention here, uh, in verse 28 he says to these elders who he has called to him. Here, here's his instruction to them in verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves, that is to themselves as elders, and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you. What's that word? Overseers. And to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And, and that word to care for in the original is to shepherd. All right, so we see these three words. These guys are elders who are called and they, they are made what? Overseers. And they have a job. And that job is to care for. And just let's... Be sure about that. It's not just there in this passage. Let's also turn to 1 Peter, chapter 5, verses 1, 2, and 3. And let's see that. We'll see the same thing uh, written by uh, Peter as well in his letter. 1 Peter, chapter 5, verses 1, 2, and 3. So I exhort the elders among you. Who is he talking to? Elders. Elders. As a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. All this is him describing himself. And here's his actual action item for them, to the elders, in verse 2 Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. What is their task? Shepherd. Shepherd. How are they supposed to do it? Exercising, oversight not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So these men, these elders are called to shepherd the flock. And how they do it? By exercising oversight. So we see these three words, uh, and they're all referring to the same title, the same person, the same office, and um, now some of us, and, and we, we may be coming from different church backgrounds, or we know of certain church backgrounds, and we'd be like, hey, wait, but elders, isn't that the term like we brethren use? Uh, presbyters, isn't that like a presbyterian term? Uh, and when you say o- overseers or bishops, episcopalian term, and we're thinking, okay, this is Roman Catholic, not, well... Each one kind of hammers on one point, so you know that's how sometimes we have our names. But uh, all of these are just one office. Um, let's not be uh, you know, just uh, shaken up by the fact that certain denominations use one of the titles and more than the other. Let's recognize that the Bible uses these three words interchangeably. So let's not just disuse the term, but um, because it doesn't fit in our experience. So if we summarize these three terms then, for this one office, uh, here's one way, and there may be better ways to describe this, but this is how I've put it together. Uh, Elder, it describes the qualification and maturity uh, requirements of the pastor, right? He's an elder, he's not a novice, he's an elder, and we'll talk about that some more. He's a bishop or overseer. Bishop is another way to translate that word. Overseer, which describes the task of the elder, he exercises oversight. Right? That's that's what he is doing. How does he do it? He shepherds them. It's the manner of executing the task, the, the gentleness of the shepherd. That's the action word. So that's what he's got to do, uh, and how he's doing it. So oversight. So in one case, you've got uh, uh, shepherding, exercising oversight, and then you know overseeing. Uh, how do you do it? Shepherding. So that's that's what we've got. So if we see these three are for one person. It's just one office. Um, you, you call them elders, you call them pastors, call them bishops, you're referring to the same person. Um, and we don't have to feel awkward about either of these titles as long as we understand what's the job and how the Bible describes the job. If we don't understand that, then we have we will misuse the term and we will have wrong offices. Um, so that's... An elder let me talk a bit about the benefit of elders as a pastor and um, then I'll discuss the benefits of elders for the congregation right so how does it work for me as one of the elders as a pastor how, how does it all come together practically like I said in the beginning I was once all for just a one-man leader why it was efficient the, you know you, you have a CEO like person who's getting gets things done uh, I, I had authority and it was immense and it's powerful and, you know, it's, it's, it's really cool. You can do whatever you want to do. You've got these funds, you can apply it here and there. There's, there's no waste of time. You think of something and you can get it done. And um, what happens is I made, you know, I made mistakes, All right. Thankfully not grave ones. They were not ones that disqualify me, but ones that definitely um, were mistakes. But eventually I had uh, two other brothers join me as elders and I was so relieved that they were there to shoulder my burden in in prayer for the congregation, for the members, in preaching, in in casting vision, in counseling, in in bringing in a different viewpoint. Sometimes I would not see things clearly and they they would see it differently and they could help me see it. Or uh, sometimes in just saying no to my Foolishness or my lack of wisdom in that situation. And, and that has happened more than once. Sometimes both of them saying no, all right, voting me out uh, when I wanted to have uh, something done. And at that moment I was like, man, these guys, you know, they just, why can't they see what I see? But God in His time proved them right and me wrong. Right, I'm so thankful that they said no and I submitted to that decision because they were, they were right. God, God was using them uh, to show me what his will was for the church. And uh, like in the recent years, we've been dealing with one brother. And uh, earlier when I was the only pastor, I tried dealing with him and we just never got to him. And then now we have two more brothers and one more brother tried reaching out to him. We got somewhere, but not enough. And then the third elder got to him, started talking with him, and it worked. You know, it's it's helpful. We have different giftings that we're bringing in, and we're able to see him grow and mature. Uh, it, it's, it's a wonderful benefit uh, that I have. I'm so glad to work alongside these other qualified men who serve with me they're my allies not only in the work of ministry but they, they they're they are my allies personally when I'm down they're up they're available they can serve uh, when I'm struggling in sin they can shepherd me through the situation when, when when I you know need a break and they can fill in for me you know they, they're there so it's it's great uh, they they have rebuked me when I needed to listen to God and like hey watch what you're doing and, and that's great Uh, My favorite time with them is when we sit together, read the Bible, pray for each other, share our joys, sorrows, confess sins and and, and just pray. And we do that quite regularly. Apart from when we gather to pray for the church. We just sit and pray for each other and and, and shepherd each other in in Christ. For the church as well, there are uh, benefits. There are many decisions that are there in the life of the church that don't require the attention of the body, the the, the members. Uh, all of, if they get involved in all these things, it's a waste of their time, and it, 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 we we go nowhere. But again, if it just fell squarely on the pastor alone, then he'd be dealing with issues that aren't really his main job, as dictated by God. Right? We saw in Act Six the prayer and. The ministry of the word. And now if he gets involved in other things. Ugh. But then within this, there may be something. And you have other brothers with you who can share that load. They can, they can uh, put in some wisdom there. They can, they can, they can fill in. They, they can advise. And that's so helpful because um, on one hand, it's cumbersome. All right it's just a lot of work a lot of communication there could be gaps there could be you know you missed to say something it's not clear and then we work through it it requires a lot of time takes a lot of patience but it has a lot of benefits because when we're done with it we've got something better um and you know honestly when we think about it not one of us has all the gifts we need to have god has given various gifts to various people and these gifts of uh, Christ to the church the elders within our are among the brothers that are different giftings and we can take a decision and we can think about things much better together and um, It's it, it works the, again another problem, you know when we're trying to help the church the church benefits from what the elders are doing and taking decisions, but uh, again within among the elders there'd be some people who are just smart Right? They're intelligent, they're exceptionally uh, gifted in you know in their brain. And you can succumb, such persons can succumb to what? Impatience, grumpiness, just bothered by the slowness of others, be self-reliant, think they know it all, right? And there are others to help them with that or else you can just be a very abusive pastor. You can get bugged with people, but this, this is helpful. And it, it, it helps the church that, their solo pastor is not you know, angry with them, not upset with them, not affected by slowness and change, but they're there to come, come alongside. And not only that, but when we have a bunch of men who serve us as elders, it brings wisdom, strength, but it also brings a mature continuity to the leadership. Uh, again, like for example, you have just one pastor. Uh, he's not just spared decision-making trouble, but uh, let's say he were gone for some reason, all right? Death, change in ministry opportunity, um, removal from ministry due to sin. What happens to church? Does Should it crumble? Should it fall flat? Should people be wondering what now? Uh, we're sheep without a shepherd? No, there's already a group of men there. They're already there. We already trust them. We know them. They've served us for... Uh, a long time, and, we, and and they can take over the job. They're there, uh, and, and, and the ministry continues. So uh, they, they shepherd the church through grief, or change, or a rude shock uh, of, hey, how could this pastor fall? What happens? And they're there, it's, it's, it's wonderful uh, that the church members are less dependent on one pastor, whether or not he's a rock star, or he's a kind shepherd, he could be any kind, it doesn't matter. But they're not dependent on one person. there are various people who are there and, and they're getting they're, they're gaining from the gifting of uh, the many brothers who are serving as elders and, and they're not dis- discipled by his mannerisms or his pet peeves alone. right Have you seen that sometimes? You know you've got uh, this one pastor and people love him. And they don't realize it, but then they are becoming more like him, and not, that might be more like Christ, and that's wonderful. Sometimes it's just more like him, you know, the way he speaks, the way he gestures, the way he stands, uh, the, all of it. And 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 when you have multiple leaders, you've got you're seeing, you're gleaning from this person, from this person, from this person, and you're getting more input. You're definitely moving more towards imitating Christ, and not just. Um, this one person. But then it's not wrong. I I wouldn't say that's wrong. Sometimes it just happens. All right. Um, So there you go. Those are the benefits of elders as what I've seen personally for me and for uh, the congregation. So who are the elders? The first thing to note about elders of a local church is that they're plural. They're plural. More than one right? Uh, The New Testament never mentions a specific number of elders for a congregation. So if you're going to ask me questions like, okay, what should the ratio be? The Bible doesn't have an answer. I'm not going to give you one. Uh, But it regularly refers to elders in the plural. Acts chapter 14, verse 23. And When they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord. Acts chapter 16, verse 4. As they went on their way through the cities, and they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 20, verse 17. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. Acts chapter 21, verse 18. On the following day Paul went in with us to James and all the elders were present. 1 Timothy 4:14. 4, Do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Titus 1:5. This is why I left you in Crete so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as i directed you james 5:14. is anyone among you sick let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the lord 1 peter 5 1 so i exhort the elders among you you get the pattern by now it's it's uniform right and it's this This is evidence, it's overwhelming evidence. It's it's in the plural, everywhere. Do we have it in the singular? Uh, the word elder, yes we do. In uh, 2 John and 3 John, when John is referring to himself as the elder. And he doesn't have multiple personality syndrome, so he knows he's singular, he's the elder. Uh, but another place is 1 Timothy 5, where Paul Uh, gives instructions for accusation against an elder so when there's an accusation against one elder that's where he says okay you find the word in singular because someone is accusing one elder everywhere else it's elders and therefore what that means is that the bible uniformly presents churches led by a body of elders not simply one elder What that means is one pastor or one bishop. A church, a local congregation, a body of elders who are leading them. Who should be an elder? What should his qualifications be? Paul gives us those answers in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and 3 and Titus chapter 1. In 1 Timothy 2, in verse 12, Paul says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Uh, whatever be that nature of authority that Paul had in mind here, uh, he did not want women teaching men in the church, which means that the office of the elder is reserved for men. And then he offers in the next chapter a fuller list of qualifications in 1 Timothy 3, and I'm going to read that out for us, starting in verse 1. The saying is trustworthy, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer, and in case you've forgotten, overseer is the same as an elder, same as pastor. Therefore an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, But gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? Not be a recent convert. Or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. Wow. Now, that's serious in one sense, but then in another sense, it describes what every Christian should be. Right? We, we don't want Christians who are not like this. Right? We want them to be about reproach. We want them to have a good testimony. We want them to be mature. But then the only difference between every Christian and an elder is that he's not a new convert and is able to teach, all right? Because all Christians at some point or the other are a new convert. But then he's grown up, he's mature, and he's able to teach. Why is that so? Because an elder is expected to model what a Christian life should be. So he doesn't have a larger than life expectation. He's expected to be able to show by his life what everyone else should live like. So that he can say, imitate me even as I imitate Christ. That's his job. We, be, we want him to be followable. Now We should be able to follow him, imitate him. So if that's the case, then you know, if you're thinking about okay, so how, who can we make as an elder, then it's not like okay, let's pick the successful businessmen because they know how to lead. Retired government servants. Ambitions of career. These guys really have it straight. You know, they they know what they want. They're go-getters. They'll make things happen. Well, I'm not saying these cannot be. The qualifications in the Bible is clear. If they fit that, great. If they don't fit that, no way. Let's not have them there. That will be trouble because that's, against God's menu, right? we have got his word. So, elders are godly Christians who have proven themselves inside the church and are known as good men outside the church. They are those people who are willing to take up the task of leading the church in prayer and in the ministry of the word. So verse two, uh, verse one, right? He desires a noble task. He's willing to do this. He's ready to serve. He's ready to serve as an example. He's ready to come under the lens of everybody watching his life as he leads them. That's an elder. What does he do? What's his task? First task, elders pray, right? The elders of the church should pray for the members of the church. Pray for them individually. Pray for them collectively. And pray for them in the congregation, in the gathering, publicly. That's one of the tasks of The elders, individually an elder must pray for each member of the church in some format or order. You take a certain number of members in a day and pray for them, depends on the size of the church. Or you can pray for one person each day, depends on the size of the church. Collectively, the elders must spend time praying for the members in general, in some format or order, but must also spend time praying for those members who are hurting or struggling. So when elders come together to care and pray for the members of the church, we do that. We pray for a certain section especially, because they need us to pray for them most. And then in church gatherings, elders must pray and model praying through praising God, confessing sins, thanking God, petitioning God on behalf of the congregation. Elders may also do well to pray for other churches, pray for the laws, pray for the government, pray for the unity in the local church, pray for the laws to be saved, et cetera, et cetera. And, and not only pray, but moral prayer for the congregation. That's their first task. Their second task is that they preach and teach. It's a, it's a very basic activity of elders, preaching and teaching the word of God to the congregation. That is why they must be able to teach. They lead the meetings of the church. They teach by the way uh, of everything that they do, even the way they give announcements, the way they read scripture, the way they teach in Sunday school classes, the way they choose hymns and songs to be sung uh, in the services and in the actual preaching itself. They teach how to pray aloud. The elders can do this as full-time staff or while holding a full-time job or in between any of these possibilities, but that's what they do. Elders teach in evangelistic endeavors or in Bible studies. Elders teach and preach God's word. That's one of their basic activities. They are teaching. They are preaching. Elders shepherd. The best word again that explains the work of an elder is shepherd. The word shepherd in Greek, like in English, is both. It has a noun form and a verb form. So it's a title and it's an action right it's what they do so they're shepherds they're pastors and they shepherd the the bible refers to activities like knowing the sheep feeding the sheep leading the sheep protecting the sheep that's the task while it isn't exclusive to pastors but it's and is required of every christian but it's especially expected of pastors that's their job they're shepherds to shepherd is to care for those who don't belong to you they're not, they're not your own family members, right? They're, they're the family of God that God has given you. that He is, He's placed under your care. And as pastors, we should get that. When a person joins the church that we are leading, we know that this person doesn't belong to us. They're redeemed by God. But we are now responsible for them. We will give account to God for them. And now we care for them. We protect them. And, and when that happens, shepherds will smell like Sheep. Uh, in my building in Mysore, every day uh, a milkman comes to deliver freshly milked milk, right? And when he comes into the building, right, if we get in the lift, and then, you know, in the next five minutes we know he was in the building. It <coughs> smells like a barn, but that's because he's around his cows. <coughs> Shepherds must smell like sheep. They've got to be among the people. They've got to know their people. They've got to protect them. They're involved. They're active. They're not passive. They're not just sitting in their study. They must study, of course. But they're not just there somewhere else. And, and the sheep are wandering left to the wolves. Uh uh-uh, Shepherds are with them. They initiate conversations, especially difficult conversations. They're not like, OK, uh, figure it out. When you're sorted out, come back home. Now, elders watch over themselves and their families where to pay attention to ourselves again acts 2028 20, this means spending time in prayer and in god's word also take care of our family the church can get another pastor your family cannot replace you your children cannot have another father your wife cannot replace you as husband and you've got to manage your household well so that is a task elders exercise oversight again acts 2028 20, teaches us that we are to pay attention to the flock In all sorts of ways, gospel work, missionary work, oversight, uh, that's something that's overlooked. It's almost like do whatever you wanna do and we'll support you, just give us a report. No, they watch over that, they oversee that. Church discipline work, and and that'll happen in the next session, Uh, more will be talked about that. Um, Membership work, right, taking care of the members, bringing in members, you know, through evangelism, uh, conversion, baptism, uh, the works, uh, discipling, counseling. They're exercising oversight, they're actually doing all the shepherding work and watching over it, which means they're not the only ones doing it, we're expecting this from the body. But they're overseeing, they're making sure, hey, hey, can you talk to that person, hey, you know, can you reach out to this person, this person needs help, could you help? And they're watching, observing, overseeing, making sure they're helping you help that person, helping you grow, they're exercising that oversight. Oversight. And then, lastly, at least on my list, elders raise up elders. It's well, this is just part of uh, the mandate of making disciples. Uh, earlier, Harshe talked about it, right? All of us, all the members in the church, have this task. We got to make disciples. And then, as elders, as a part of our disciple making, we're also raising more elders. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, <laughs> verse 2. Paul instructs Timothy, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is a four generation view, right? Paul, he's entrusted something to Timothy. Now, Timothy has to look for faithful men and then entrust this to them so that they will do so with that. There's a continuity here. Elders have to look out for it. Who are those men who are proving to be faithful? who 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 are doing the work and, and then you know spend more time with them and then raise them up and make sure that you know they they continuing to grow in that area because we need more elders because at the at the very foundation what's our task what's the commission disciples who make disciples Right. And in the church, the leadership, we have more elders because when when they are able to be elders, we plant, you know, they either serve here in this church as elders or they can be sent out to plant a church as elders. If they are not qualified, they shouldn't go out because then we'll have messed up churches, unhealthy churches, uh, novices who aren't tried and tested. And, and that, that has been a bane to the church. At large, people who shouldn't be there are there, creating all sort of messes, and that wouldn't be there if we had biblical leadership in the church, especially the gift of elders. Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for your wisdom in how a church must be led, and we thank you, O oh Lord, for faithful men that you have given as gifts. To us in the church as elders and in, I pray, O Lord, for those churches who already have a plurality of elders in their church serving them faithfully, I thank you for that. I pray that they continue doing their task faithfully. For those of us here in churches where that's not in practice, I pray, a Lord, that you convict us, help us to bring in our change and come to a more biblically rightful, leading or leadership in the church so that your church would continue to bring you glory, would do what you've asked it to do, make more disciples, bring more people to Christ, bring you glory. We want to do that. We want to see that, Lord, in this city, in every every city in the world, in every village. We want to see that happen. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.